Welcome to the Modernize or Die podcast, CFML News Edition, where we keep you up to date with everything going on in the Cold Fusion community. We'll share the latest news on events, releases to engines, frameworks, libraries, and tools, as well as spotlighting quality content from the community. Welcome to Modernize or Die podcast, CFML News Edition. It's episode 99 on April 13th, 2021. I'm Gavin Pickin, and I have Eric Peterson joining me today. Welcome, Eric. Hey. Hey, Gavin. Glad to be here. Okay. Well, first up, let's do our sponsor thanking thing. So thank you to Order Solutions. Uh, without them, we couldn't make this podcast happen. Uh, a few ways you can give back to Order Solutions. We always recommend that you go like and subscribe to YouTube videos on our YouTube channel. Uh, that's one way you can watch this. Uh, if you're listening on your podcast and you want to see our pretty faces, you can do that up on YouTube. But you also have CFCast, which you can get a free or paid account in CFCast, and both of those help us. Uh, and that is great video content released every week. And we also have a, a new Autos book out, 102 Cold Box HMVC Quick Tips and Tricks on Gumroad. And that is another way you can say thanks to Solution for all the things they do with Cold Box, Command Box, Forge Box, Test Box, and all the other boxes, including this podcast, which is not Pod Box, just for reference. But uh, another way we <laughs> we can make this possible through our Patreon supporters, right, Eric? That's right. You too can become a Patreon supporter. We are currently at the seventy nine percent of the funding for this podcast. There are some lovely perks as well if you join at um, a certain level, which I can't remember the name, so we'll bronze. just call it a certain level. Yeah. Bronze, the bronze level, including a CFCast subscription and a Forgebox subscription. Yep. You can check that out at patreon.com slash order solutions to see all the lovely perks you're going to get when you sign up. Yep, and we'll tell you a little bit more at the end of the show. We thank all of our Patreon sponsors, individually and badly pronounced. Okay. But with love. Yeah, with lots of love. That's how we do it. Okay, well, let's get into some news and events. So, um, I think after, what, six, eight months, Lucy has finally got the release candidate 2 for the 5.3.8 edition. So, they've been doing a lot of work on that. Uh, like I said, it's been months in the making, um, but they've got a lot of things actually in this release. Yeah, there is a huge list of tickets fixed. Um, very impressive. Yeah, I'm um, sharing my screen for those watching, um, but you'll see there's been a ton, ton of performance tuning, some session changes, ORM changes, which we love when we see ORM changes, um, logging, exceptions. That, that wasn't sarcastic, by the way. No, <laughs> it was really true. <laughs> Sometimes the ORM is uh, underused in the Lucy world, and so the, the tickets there just sit a lot longer than we'd like um, but it's a lot of static some miscellaneous ones too so a lot of great things this is just in this release candidate too so these are changes since that if you go back and look at the highlights for 5.3.8 there's a lot of great stuff in here uh, so it's a really big uh you know milestone i know that they wanted to make this super stable it's probably the last major uh well sorry last release before they go Lucy 6, from what I'm aware of. So they wanted to make sure it's a super stable copy um, before they, you know, do some cool stuff in Lucy 6. So um, Brad uh, tweeted a couple times about it this week as well, saying, it, you know, it's really stable. I think it has this query of query stuff in there too. So he's really excited to get that out there. But there's a lot of good stuff out there in there. So Absolutely. So, yeah. So You can also 
try it right now through command box and forge box. Yep. You can either put in the full RC or just Lucy at EE will get you the latest release candidate there. Yep. And there is a ton of stuff out there. So um, yeah, Lucy's really on top of it. Definitely try it out. Uh, it's a big update. A lot of great stuff in there. Okay. So next up we have uh, something which may not be news for, for you, but uh, <laughs> a few people had slipped by. So I hadn't seen this either, but Adobe CF 2021 lockdown guide is available. So uh, Charlie, yeah. you have blogged this for us. Yep, he put it over on the Adobe portal, has some links to that, as well as the 2018 and 2016 version. Um, I'll, I'll be honest, I took a quick peek into it just to see if they have stopped telling people to disable the internal Java stuff, and they haven't, which makes me sad. I get hit by that in some of my projects that are supposedly cross-platform, so... <laughs> Yep, and I actually Using read Java Lang system is not a problem. <laughs> well, see, that was a weird thing is I actually ran into some issues where um, we upgraded from 2016 to 2018 for a client, but they updated the Java versions, and I thought it was a 2016-2018 difference, but it was the Java version that kicked in, and I guess in Java 8, um, they don't have modules. So when Java 9 was introduced, they introduced modules, and a whole bunch of things now no longer have export permissions. For just exporting like blank you know and so we had to go and add all these weird um, parameters into the jvm arguments and in the connector itself mm -hmm. it had a whole commented out section saying if you're using java 9 please use these if you're not then use below and so there was a whole bunch of stuff that i didn't see anywhere else it's not being mentioned too much so if you go from java 8 to java 9 and get some weird issues showing up for java and you have the lockdown guide implemented you may want to go in and, and look at that. And actually, I had to do a couple extra changes, um, some things that weren't in there for some data sources. It might have been a Postgres driver or something, but basically, we had to go and add more of these uh, things. Basically, it was an unnamed module. You can't export for an unnamed module. Uh, and so, if you see that error, uh, look at the connector in the JV um, config file, and you'll probably see a whole bunch of stuff that you need to add. But I didn't see the system one specifically, Eric, but I just thought that might be kind of interesting. If someone pops up and they hear the error, that's what I found out it was. It was really kind of a weird one to track down. Got it. Yeah, my, mine's not a specific Java class. It's just a checkbox that you can put in your administrator that says disable access to internal Java components. And the lockdown guide says it's because they're not documented, um, which made me chuckle since... They're just Java components. <laughs> They're Java Java docs everywhere, you know. But so see, that's I, the I've thing used is... it a few times in <clears throat> in like QB or Quick to try to tell what class something is, and um, yeah. but dropping down to Java can be turned off, and it's a little sad. But see, that's the internal Cold Fusion Java components. It shouldn't affect your normal Java components, and that's where the weird stuff comes in. Because the error I was getting, if I uncheck that box, it worked. So when they do that, they're also locking down some other stuff. So it's not just mm. Cold Fusion components. Because traditionally, I always thought that was like the Cold Fusion dot whatever jars. No, it's other stuff just randomly thrown in there too. So when they lock that down, they're doing something else which just heightens the Java security. So you can still get it to work with that checked. But depending why it's not working, you have to get around that. So that's what I'm saying. Like with that turned on, I couldn't access certain things because that module export for unnamed module didn't work. But if I unchecked it, it worked. So 
there was something with there's some other level of security that they're flagging in there because I only thought that was only supposed to be for cold fusion Java components, not anything in my jar right. files. So anyway, so that's I guess news for anybody else too. But I mean, it's in the lockdown guide for a good reason. But we just need to find a way to get stuff to work that we need to work. So anyways, so next up. Um, the Michigan Seafug has a, an event tonight, uh, Tuesday, April 13th at 7 p.m. We have Embracing the Jamstack with Ray Camden. So if you're wanting to go, um, you know, sort of static, um, Jamstack is a pretty popular stack out there. Ray's been talking about it for quite a while on there. And so if you want to, you can go to the mfcfug.org and they have a link there to the meeting URL. Obviously, it's a virtual online one tonight. So if you're watching live, you got time to go check that out. Otherwise, I'm sure they'll have the replay up somewhere soon. Okay, next up, we have a live stream coming up. Uh, I think it's this Thursday. Yep. Thursday, 8 a.m. Uh, Pacific time. It is a VS Code live stream about VS Code notebooks. Um, now, I have never used VS Code notebooks. They very much look like a Python slash data science thing. Is that your understanding yeah i just thought it was kind of cool i mean i didn't i know that they have their release parties and uh we actually forgot to mention that last week's release party but they also have other events every month for vs code live streams and they have um you know a lot of different things but this notebooks apparently it's a cool concept and they're starting to build more and more on it but i have no idea what it is <laughs> i'll be honest well, then you should go watch that live stream on thursday gavin i should yep <laughs> <laughs> but uh i mean it it sounds interesting and, you know, and wanting to build, I wanted to, I really do want to start building some extensions at some point And you know, I just like the idea of this, uh, you know, and I've heard about, quite a bit about the Jupyter notebooks and so I'm sort of curious. So, but yeah, I mean, they have a live stream and the cool thing is, like I said, they have a couple of months and in case you missed it, um, VS code 1.55 release party was last Thursday, April 8th. And the VS Code team, you know, they hold a, a live event. They show off the new features of the, the release and they have a Q&A. And so they were highlighting March's release. Uh, and so we have a link there on YouTube. So you can watch that if you missed it. And, um, but yeah, keep an eye on the VS Code page because like I said, they do have quite a few um, things. They have people from the community showing off their cool extensions and it's pretty neat. Okay. Okay. Um, the Adobe webinar series on API creation and management continues. The next webinar is at the end of this month on the 28th. This is their seven part webinar. And we will put a link in the show notes so you can get information about how to sign up. Um, do you know, Gavin, if they have the previous available as recordings? Yep. I just uh, added that today. Thanks to Charlie. He t uh, tweeted it out. Um, so there's a link to the recordings and I'll show those watching what it looks like. But they actually have some of the Adobe CF Summit 2020 videos there as well on that same page. So, but you can see the first two in the Cold Fusion webinar series, so the introduction and then uh, a little bit more. And then, like I said, there are all the videos from Adobe CF Summit on here as well. So if you guys didn't get to the conference, you can check that out here as well. So, um, but yeah, at first I didn't know what they were, but uh, Charlie found that link and shared it. So again, thanks, Charlie. And yeah, there's uh, seven total, and we've got two more at the end of this month. 
and then three in May. So a lot of great content from some top community members. So we have some real time follow up here from Charlie about my, my complaint of that checkbox in Adobe. Um, I had thrown out like accessing the Java system class and that was, I should not have just thrown that out. The actual issue I went and jumped back into QB to C um, was when I wanted to tell if something was a number, I was calling get class on it and get simple name, trying to get to the Java name. And Adobe does not like that with that checkbox. So I guess they believe mm. that they're, that, their um, CF double or whatever uh, classes behind that is too important for anybody to touch. Though I can get the same information using metadata, so I don't quite know what they're worried about. But anyway, that was the actual issue, is I couldn't call get class on a potential number with that secure internal disabled check. So Yeah, that's kind of crazy. I mean... Yeah, I understand locking things down, but doesn't sound like that's the the most concerning function. I don't know, but maybe yeah. somebody security minded can tell me why, and then I can stop complaining about it. <laughs> yeah, and again, like I said we yeah. I mean, I like I like being able to enable certain things and keep it locked down. Um, but yeah, not always easy. Maybe if Pete Freitag's listening, he seems to be the the big one on that. Pete, tell me why I'm wrong, please. <laughs> Since Pete did write most of the lockdown guides too, right? <laughs> so, okay. Well, next up we have uh, some online CF meetup information. So last week we had a CSS crash course for CSS haters or novices with Jessica Keener. Um, <laughs> and so that was last week. We have the recording here, so we'll share the recording in the show notes. Uh, that's up on Charlie Earhart's YouTube channel uh, with a lot of other videos from CF Meetup. And then this week we have another one from Luis Mahano on the online CF Meetup. Yeah, we have To the Future with CB Futures. So uh, this is a, a component of Coldbox or even just Wirebox standalone where you can tap into Java's completable future and the, the API surrounding that. It's um, kind of threads on steroids, superpowers. <laughs> so yeah. you can come learn again. This is available in just standalone Wirebox. You don't have to be running a full Coldbox application to get there. I know that uh, Luis just added some scheduling things too. So you can now, from ColdFusion, basically set up like a mini cron job. It, it's pretty cool. So yeah, check out some of the stuff he has there in this meetup. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I really like the way it's much more JavaScript-like. So, you know, obviously ColdFusion has added some of these features, but it's nice to have those extra features now. Um, it's just just really fluent feeling, um, and so I like to I like that style a whole lot more. So, yeah, like one example I did the other day for a client was we needed to do. Uh, they had some report page, and they had three or four database calls at the same time. And it was so easy to put them into to parallelize that and just do each request without having to jump into CF thread. Or I think before I would do like Lucy's array each, but even that's not available over in Adobe. So it's just it was very easy and I was very happy about it. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I like the fact that uh you no, know, Luis keeps track of what's available in Java and jumps into the you know, the Java libraries to to really help you with that. And uh 
yeah, I mean, there's some nice stuff. Like I said, the Lucina W both added some some more asynchronous type programming, but it's nowhere near as full and featured as the the Java stuff. And Luis spent a lot of time making sure, like almost every function that Java has, we can do too. So it's it's pretty cool. And yeah, like you said, it powers Coldbox now and Wirebox too. So we get a lot of that goodness. And if I'm remembering right, the new in Command Box uh, five point. What's the next one? Four? Three. I don't know. Command box BE. <laughs> it uh, it's handling redrawing on the shell. Oh. So Brad, instead of just constantly redrawing, now batches it in like hundred millisecond increments or something like that. Um. But yeah, it's Very been a cool. lot more smooth for me. So it's it's powering everything. Very cool. And then if you want to see Luis Mahano talking a little bit more, he has an Autis webinar on April twenty third. So the following week at 11 a.m. Central Time. And this one, he'll be building modern web apps with Content Box Modular CMS. So Content Box 5 beta is out. And so he's going to be showing that off a little bit. And then, yeah, showing you how to work with uh, Content Box and build, um, you know, basically build cold box apps on top of it. So, yeah, I know a couple headlining features of that, too, are um, Content Boxes we're building an easy migration path from Mira as they've gone closed source, as well as uh, multi-site support. So there's some neat things to check out in that webinar. Yep. And just a reminder, the new book from Luis is available up on Gumrobes, and we'll share that link in the show notes too. So, And then uh, thanks to everyone who's actually been reviewing that. It's nice to see some uh, tweets out there. And uh, a lot of people have been using Coldbox forever i mean almost longer than luis i uh, said so they still learn a few things from the from the book so good to see that and thanks for everybody who's supporting supporting us with that book okay next up we have some cfcas that's right no and we will uh, talk about the content updates but there's also some site updates yeah uh, we released a new version of cfcas just yesterday and i think the biggest one that you will see is we now have an autoplay feature so Ooh. you get to the end of your video, it'll, it'll pop up this little thing, count down and play the next one for you. So you can just keep binging to your heart's delight or flip the little switch and, and we won't do that to you ever again. <laughs> <laughs> um, and additionally, you'll see coming up, we're adding little instructor pictures everywhere so you can know who's doing what course before you get watching the videos. Ah, sounds good. So Very yeah. cool. As well as some content updates. Um, we are still doing a lot with the command box zero to hero. We have talked about server start and other commands, the server.json and artifacts, as well as a new um, video in the Coldbox, what's new with Coldbox 6 series about the new Coldbox debugger. Yep, that was um, a new You might debugger. have seen this yep, released yeah, last, last week. week. It's the same video that was in the blog post, so you're not missing anything there, but now you can keep track of it in CF casts as well. Yep. Very and cool. we still have um, uh, coming up after the command box workshop is our up and running with quick workshop will be released. And as well as the using doc box that we've talked about. And I am currently working on a log box one one course. Very teach cool. you everything that you ever forgot about log box. And I, it's does so much cool stuff. And I, I, very really touch more than just the surface of it you know it, i mean yeah it's just 
it's so nice and again it's nice to have a logbox 101 because i'm sure there's a million things i should be using it for that i just don't even think about it so uh i'm cool i'm really looking forward to that one too i need a refresher so very cool okay so next up we have some conferences and for those watching live tomorrow we're going to get some view love with viewconf i know i saw that email today and was like whoa that's tomorrow i gotta make sure i have time to watch some stuff <laughs> yep i'm sure they'll have everything available later but uh it's it's definitely fun to sort of watch live and, and especially if you've got a slack channel you can you know ping some of the, your co-workers about stuff like did you see that what are they doing there and oh man i'm so far behind <laughs> But yeah, um, so it's hosted by Evan Yu. It's got a lot of great, uh, great speakers there, and there'll be attendee lightning talks as well. Um, they're going to have like a live DJ virtual party, and the workshops are available now, uh, and that's available at viewconf.com. So for those watching, you can check it out here. Um, again. Tickets are available up until the 13th, so it's free. So you probably want to get them today because it looks like you can't get them tomorrow. So I'm not sure if that's just because they're sending out all the information or not. Um, but definitely go sign up, register, it's free, uh, and then get on the list there. But um, yeah, a lot of great content coming and a whole day of view sounds awesome. I really needed to catch up too with this uh, View 3. It's going to be a big change. I haven't migrated into my apps yet. so. I'm kind of need to need to take on all of this conference just to get up to speed on everything that's coming with you. So, okay. And then if you want more conferences next week, we have Redis Conf. So that's going to be April 20th and 21st. Um, so Redis is a, another great option for those looking at, uh, well, it does a lot of things actually. Now it's not just, um, you know, everyone thinks of caching, but it's not just that anymore. So Redis Conf has a lot of good, uh, a lot of good things in their hackathon has probably got the most, uh, interest out of everybody in the community. So, but so have you heard of any ideas for the hackathon yet? Cause I've tried to think of some and I, I must just be boring. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think we had a couple ideas floating around. I mean, I always think of games. Games are fun to make fun to play with, but, um, I know that the time series stuff, um, you know, Luis mentioned me about some, you know, for logging and error tracking and stuff, because you could see things in, in, you know, sort of real time of the time series. Uh, we could always build another uh, search equivalent. We have a lot of Elasticsearch stuff. We could build a Redis search um, thing. But, I mean, I want something to be fun, stand out. I mean, there's $100,000 on the line. Uh, not everyone can win it. Obviously, there's uh, details <laughs> on it, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I too, when I saw that they had registered search, thought, oh, it'd be nice to have, you know, some of the order search stuff talked to that as well as Elasticsearch, as well as, yeah, uh, what's the one that's Algolia? But then I thought, yeah, no one's gonna give me a prize for that. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll do that on my own time, I won't kill myself trying to get it done. Yeah, so there's a few different prizes, you know, broken up and everything, and you know. Uh, I'm sure there's plenty of good things, but yeah, like I said, they have the Redis streams, uh, the Redis search, the Redis graph, um, you know, the time series, the search, and they've got the AI, which the AI sounds interesting, but again, I'm just 
basically blanking on good ideas here. So if anyone has a good idea, I mean, I think you have until May to actually get that completed. So it's basically starts now. And I think you have, yeah, April 15th to, the, to May 15th is the, the time. So basically that starts this week. Um, and anyways, the conference is going to be good too. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but like I said, a lot of people have been talking about, oh, $100,000 and, you know, money uh, for, for doing some cool stuff. So, but yeah, I think it's kind of neat. Um, check out some of those things and find out more about it. Um, so maybe, maybe watch the conference videos and then, um, we'll able to get some ideas so but that's april 20th and 21st and you can sign up for that at redisconf oh, sorry redislabs.com slash redisconf okay okay other conferences coming up we've talked about atlassian teams which will be the end of the month 28th and the 30th so using any of atlassian's products you might be interested in that one yep definitely got a team focus yeah. with that one and then AWS Summit Online Americas. So that's May 12th and 13th. It's online and free. Um, and then you can find out all about um, Amazon AWS services, uh, the 180 million products they have and services, and find out a little more about which ones you might like or might want to use or what the heck they actually are. Because sometimes that's really useful too, because uh, a lot of different things there. So, you know, you can get in and get some examples and, I found it really neat when I went to uh, one in person a long time ago, you know, they had some really good examples of, you know, like just been able to spin up and spin down dynamos, you know, and, and how they actually used it. The white paper stuff really got me thinking like, I would never thought to use it like that, you know, and they just spun up like hundreds and hundreds of these servers for like five or 10 minutes and got everything done instead of having one server chugging on it for like, you know, 25 days or, or whatever else they had. They had some, some crazy stuff that they would just pump into it and then basically get all the results out. And, and they used it, a lot of different companies using it to crunch all sorts of crazy things. So, you know, I like it because you learn about what the services can do, but also they give you some ideas on how you can maybe improve your setup. And it's, it's definitely really cool. There's, there's so many services there. You could definitely find something to make your developer life or your, you know, your websites better. And then at the end of May, May 27th, we have DockerCon. So, uh, a lot of great content there. Um, they've got very beginner courses all the way to crazy ninja courses. Um, so there's going to be plenty of content there. You'll definitely find something that will suit you and uh, help fill in that Docker gap. Uh, hopefully they have more swarm stuff and less Kubernetes, but I don't think so. <laughs> uh, but yeah, there's a lot of good stuff there. Um, so May 27th, 2021, free uh, online virtual experience. So go sign up and that is docker.com slash dockercon dash live dash 2021 and you can go register for that and keep up to date on all the information yeah a lot of conferences uh, as always if you're interested in more conferences you can head over to comps.tech and then uh, search there cfml is on the list and you can uh, sort by that or see any other languages that they have on their website yep for sure and then our call for speakers for Into the Box should be coming very soon. We're, no, we're working on all the questions. So once that's out, we'll have the call for speakers for Into the Box. And then you guys can submit for that. And then once we have that, we'll give you more information about who's speaking in sessions, hopefully in the next month or so. 
Okay, so let's get into the blogs, tweets, and videos of the week. And our first one up is Charlie's lockdown guide that we spoke about earlier. So, That's right. So this one here, again, it has been available since the end of December. It was updated in January, but um, yeah, just for those who missed it, the lockdown guide is here. It is a little longer than the 2018 version, um, a lot relating to the, the new package management stuff that 2018 didn't have, obviously. So um, again, thanks, Charlie, for sharing that. Uh, if you're using the new Adobe, definitely check out the lockdown guide. Very, very important. Okay. So we had a... Next we have a... You know, oh, as ahead. I say, just we have a tweet from James, and I thought it was an interesting one to share. And so this one, he's actually migrating some apps. So he's migrating from 2016 apps to CF2021 and also Lucy. And what he did is he jumped in and grabbed Lucy's unit tests, and then he's running them against different engines. So uh, it's kind of interesting that if he runs the same tests that pass on Lucy and he runs them on 2016 or 2021, he gets different errors. And so from that, he's able to figure out what differences are in the language and stuff. So it's kind of interesting, you know, unit tests, um, you know, between the, the engines even can help you figure out what's uh, good for migration. So, um, yeah, I just thought it was kind of an interesting way to, you know, like tests are important, but he just grabbed somebody else's tests and run them to, <laughs> to get a, a little leg up on, on the competition there. So he's definitely tweeting a lot about the migration process and different things. So um, James Moberg is at games over on Twitter. So check it out. He's got a lot of good stuff coming out there, but that's what I wanted to spotlight because uh, just another good use for test cases. Next, we have a trio of Ben Nadal uh, posts. The first one about experimenting with try catch retry semantics. Um, so the CF try and catch tags also have a CF retry that you can throw in there inside the catch block. And you can use that. Ben uses it here in kind of a exponential back off scenario where you, you're trying a service and you give longer between each try until you just stop trying. Um, and he compares and contrasts using like a for loop you might think of, you know, looping over until you're done compared with this retry and uh, see which one he likes better. I think the uh, takeaway from it was he wasn't sure which one he liked better. <laughs> yeah. And he says it was, it's kind of funny too. He mentions that he doesn't, doesn't know if he's sure about the array shift idea because he was using that inside the code to shift the values off the front of the array, you know, sleeping and then retrying, basically waiting for the service to come back. Um, but yeah, I like this one because... Yeah, I don't know if I've, I mean, I've probably written some retry-like code before, but it's not something we do a lot of unless it's in a long-running, you know, task that we're trying to get to finally complete. But yeah, there's so much stuff out there. But, <laughs> and the next up... Uh, uh, the, yeah, the next one from Ben is about using structs as arrays. So as we know, Cold Fusion is a dynamic language, which means we don't have to um, specify the type beforehand. We're not bound to that. And if you pass in a variable that can be more than one type, um, strings come to mind, um, strings and numbers especially, it will figure out what it needs to do with it. And so this is a case where 
um, Lucy will take a struct that has numeric keys and values and treat that as an array. You can use the array built-in functions on it. You can um, do all sorts of things there, you know, append, delete, add an index, and it will treat it as an array the whole time. So, um, <laughs> I'm not sure I like array-ish stuff. <laughs> it's kind of weird. Array-ish, yeah. <laughs> That's what I keep scrolling it everywhere. I'm like, hmm, interesting. I think um, he, he asked in there, he just says, like, this is interesting. Don't know if it's useful. Um, I couldn't help but just see uh, PHP everywhere because that's how PHP arrays work. <laughs> um, oh, really? So, yeah, but PHP's arrays are all um, structs with numeric keys. Keyed, basically. And the keys can are numbers by default, or you can put a value in there. So oh. that's what I thought of. Made me laugh. <laughs> that is pretty weird. But interesting. Yeah. And so this one here is a, another one from Ben. And this is something if you have a log tool that uh, basically gets all your error catching, um, you know, usually they show up as different errors if someone's basically using a script kitty and you get stuff that looks like this for those watching. Can't cast string, blah, blah, blah to this type. You know, a lot of this, these ones here are from query params, you know. So if someone hits you with a bot and you're trying to, they're trying to get into files or trying to use different passwords or, you know, trying to trying to get into your system, essentially, you get all these weird errors. And because each one of them is a different error, um, you know, message, then basically it, it looks like you've got 115,000 diff 115, different error types instead of it's just one, which is basically a param tag casting error. So... He walked through um, trying to basically, you know, work on that where they'll they'll throw a different type of error, but he didn't want to lose the original message, so he puts it in the detail. So it was kind of, you know, again another thought experiment, and I'm just thinking maybe we should add this into Sentry or something, uh, Eric, the Sentry logger we have, because I get this happening a lot of time for customers too, where you know the message itself, um, you know, changes every time. So some of this he made. The message is always the same. The detail has the the more descriptive error message in it, because yeah, I I run into this quite a lot. So yeah, I've I've run into that too. Essentially, does a pretty good job. Um, again, as long as the the type is consistent, you can group it over by type instead. So oh yeah, I guess that's a good point. He's using Logly. I'm not sure if they have that feature available or not, but. Yeah. Interesting. So now this one I, I thought of you because uh, Matthew Clemente was talking about using Postgres uh, JDBC driver. And I know you got some JDBC stories for us a little later, but this one, he was actually talking to Postgres with uh, Cold Fusion, but bypassing CF query completely and using the Java stuff to get there. Which I thought was. I, I have to, I have to wonder because I, I talked to Matt in my, um, escapades that we'll talk about with Postgres and JDBC. And so I just have to wonder if I gave him the idea to try this. <laughs> yeah, because he, he says here, it's like, you know, um, for irrelevant reasons. <laughs> or reasons irrelevant <laughs> to this post. And so, yeah. So he just basically talks about, you know, creating the query, you know, using the connection string, connecting to it, passing the SQL, and then how to loop over the, the SQL results, uh, the query results. And with, Do with Adobe, it's a little different than Lucy, 
but you know basically you can do it without CF query and you know if you really want to know what CF query is saving you this is basically what it's doing because uh, I remember using ASP.NET and PHP in the old days where you had to do all this crazy stuff just to make a query and it was painful and that's why most people use ColdFusion it's because they hated doing all this stuff but uh life's different now but still so yeah but anyway so as he said uh don't know why you wouldn't be using c query or C query execute but now you can if you don't want to so pretty funny okay all right we have a blog post from terratech about funny cold fusion custom tag completion um uh, th these there were some funny jokes mostly on t-shirts here made me want some more uh t-shirts i haven't been to enough conferences lately yeah um but uh <laughs> i they they made me laugh there was one that's um oh i, I already i gotta pull it up here but it, it had the blame equals me oh yeah um, <laughs> I, mean, I have it up here and, let me pull up the can i just click on it there we go. Uh, CF whoops, blame equals true. There you go. Yeah, but so. that was Mark Donata. He actually won that, and so he got a, a T-shirt with it printed on. And then, um, yeah, blame equals true, undo equals you wish, job status equals false. <laughs> and then uh, another one was CF dumpster fire. Uh, sorry, CF dumpster fire equals true year 2020. Theme is into the world dot mp4 <laughs> and so uh christy trent got a runner-up for that one so they got their shirt so on the blog post itself you see mark wearing his shirt here and then uh christy's wearing her dumpster fire shirt <laughs> so yeah just a little humor uh yeah i like it yeah especially i i when i saw the blame equals true all i could think of is every time i get blamed something like i'm going through code i'm like what who did this who changed this line this is garbage it's always me yeah. every time so <laughs> it is you know it's always you right? <laughs> it's always me <laughs> so we should do a cf whoops blame equals eric <laughs> there you go it, yeah. it would be accurate Okay. I'm pretty sure Sea of Blame only shows the name of the person searching for it when they're angry. It, you can like tell it, it can be it's tele it's telepathic or something. We could make a, a function that did that, <laughs> like an extension. <laughs> <laughs> Always blame the other person or yourself. <laughs> so we have another one here from Benny Dell, and this one uh, I think is always appropriate. So. Um, talking about being staying productive at work and you know just sort of we're always battling that and trying to figure out the best way to be productive and efficient and so he uses some words i can't say but i'll try but he's talking about task switching sensory specific satiety satiety i think it's satiety, satiety. like when you're like satisfied with something yeah i don't know i know what he's trying to say <laughs> i don't know how to say it but but anyway, yeah, so we talked about, you know, basically, um, you know, how you can be productive. You only have so many hours in the day, et cetera. And so, you know, it's it's really good read. Um, but, you know, talking about basically, you know, doubling estimates and everyone, you know, sort of has that idea as well. But it's more for, you know, talking about, you know, how to deal with, like, when you just can't work anymore. Like, when your brain feels full on a given task. 
you know, he can't be productive on that task anymore. He, he likes to switch it up, you know, changing from a high thinking or a longer term task over to a lower thinking, shorter term task, his brain resets, etc. And he talks about it as the same way as you do with food, you know, like basically when you're full from dinner and you still seem to have room for dessert because you basically changed. And that's where that term comes from. Basically, the sensation of being full uh, is tied to the food being eaten. So if you change the food, then you're, you know, basically you reset and you're no longer full. And so it was like just interesting. You know, I usually do the same thing. I basically call my, I have mindless tasks and mindful tasks. And when I'm full on a mindful task, I change to a mindless task that I can just do and get done. And it makes me feel better because I'm checking things off my list, but I don't have to think quite the same. So, yeah. so those are also nice as for me, like filler tasks when I don't feel like I have enough time between other tasks to get into. Uh, a, a new ticket, a new project, so I can go do, like you said, mindless or filler or yeah, or backlog bugs, yeah, those little ones. Yep, that, yep for sure. Uh, that's kind of nice, and so I still like those things. Make me think a little more, and you know, revisit my my strategy on it. So, yep. So, what do we got next, Eric? We have the blog post that went along with the cold box debugger version three, or as it is now being called the cold box mini APM uh, <laughs> application performance ma uh, monitor, because it does a lot. So check out the blog post, check out the video. You can view it here in the blog post or on CFCast to see all the different features. And uh, yeah, it's pretty awesome. I finally got to use it the other day. <laughs> And uh, very impressed. I'm, I, I'm especially grateful that I can have um, a window open that's listening to all the requests uh, instead of having to, it helps me to debug like an API where I don't necessarily want a bunch of HTML at the end of my JSON, but I still wanted the data. So, yeah, that's definitely a big, a big plus there. And of course, I've got some quick and uh, QB tracking in here. So mm -hmm. the visual debugger looks nice. So yeah, we've got a lot of things in it and obviously we've got some more ideas on, on how to make it better too. And thanks to everyone who jumped in and um, did some work with uh, some quick testing as well. I know there was a couple of uh, little th bugs and I think Luis has already jumped on them. So let us know if you find any more and we'll try and squish them. Um, but it's, it's a big update there. So really cool to see that out and nice video too, like you said. Okay, um, you mentioned getting back to the basics with Logbox. Uh, this next one is by Tumba, and that's adding Cashbox to your CFML application. And so uh, Cashbox, again, is part of Coldbox, but you can use it by itself. And this one here is a, you know, basically a little blog post on how to use Cashbox in your application. And then uh, really important is why use Cache, you know? And so this is a, you know, good information, you know, basically trying to figure out why you want to use it too. Cause sometimes you don't always, you know, know why you should use something, but cash boxes, uh, you know, it's a good, basically like a short term memory and cash box is really flexible too. So you can use whatever caching solution you want. This providers for it. Um, and this one here talks about using it with preside. So, uh, I like the fact that it's nice and, you know, step by step, really clean and clear. So if you guys uh, wanted to try it out, uh, it's a really nice blog post for that. 
Okay. So next up, we have find a job with CFML jobs. So if we look on get CFML jobs, we have one new one this week. So we have a full-time software developer position available in Houston. Uh, that was posted on April 12th, so yesterday. And let's have a look and see what's in this one here. So it's for, I've never heard of this company, Tecumet LP. That's a recycler and scrap automobile catalyst. So in Texas, Houston, Texas, looks like there's uh, all sorts of things in here. Uh, six months plus with ColdFusion, some MSQL, and just two plus years in application development. So looks like a, a good little position there. And they are using source control, so that's always a plus. <laughs> <laughs> and you would be close to into the box when it comes back to being in person. That's for sure. Yeah. Very cool. Okay. <laughs> so next up, we have Forgebox Module of the Week. And this week, we're looking at CF migrations, and you'll tell us all about it. <laughs> okay. Yes, I will. And th <laughs> there's a story behind this. But first, uh, I'll give the features, the new features of CF migrations, and then we'll go into the story. Um, the main thing is CF migrations can now have multiple <clears throat> managers. And they can uh, kind of like... Um, if you think of Logbox, or I think a better example is if you view CB mail services, where you can set up different uh, mail drivers to handle that. So you give it a name, you give it some settings, and you can now do migrations. So you can have multiple databases set up, um, even different grammars, different directories. You can have one for Elasticsearch. Different modules can um, contribute their own. And so that was the main change. In addition, it can, we have support for seeds now. Seeding is a development task where you want to add a bunch of data into your application very quickly. It's not meant for production data. It's not meant for anything really outside of development. And so you can do both those. And those are both thanks to the wonderful John Clausen. And uh, you can check out the updated documentation on the readme. This is a, Breaking change. This is 3.0. The settings is what mainly changed because we expanded it so it could have those multiple managers. Um, if you don't modify your settings, the default manager should be what you're used to, and you can just keep going. Um, but yeah, so those are the new features. We are also working on getting command box migrations updated to allow to us to use all these cool features, you know, the multiple migration managers, things like that. And that is still in progress. Wow. Sounds like a lot um, of work. Yeah. But some really neat things for your application here. Yep. Um, so the story, <laughs> uh, like I said, John did a lot of work on this and we, we went back and forth on some, some changes and how we wanted to, to do this this work and it got done and all the all my tests were failing. And I'm like, well, that's that's strange. I thought I had this figured out. And for CF migrations, I run the tests against a Postgres database because Postgres one is open source. So I'm gonna use an open source database to test this project. I'm not paying for anything. And MySQL 
does not support rolling back DDL statements or like create, alter, delete, or drop statements in a transaction tag. Um, and since CF migrations is all about <laughs> create, alter, drop, uh, that's not very useful. I couldn't like make a change, roll it back and in between tests. So, um, and that's something important to me because I want each of my tests to just be in its own environment. I don't want my tests messing with other tests. So I'm trying to use Postgres here, which I think Postgres is great. This is not anything against Postgres, um, but everything was failing. And I dug in and was looking at some of the errors and it looks like Lucy's using some very old driver by default. Um, I, I I will have to pull it up, but it was, I, I couldn't even find it on the Postgres JDBC website. Um, just, and so my first thought is, okay, let's update to the latest um, using Lu the Lucy extension um, updater. And it came close. It wasn't the f newest version, but it was at least in the same major version. So we update, I updated it to the version 42 dot something. And I started getting something really weird um, about like six tests through I'd get an error on my test from the database that said um, I had a syntax error with the keyword returning. Uh, how Postgres gives data back to you is you can add this returning keyword on and ask for columns back. So like if you were inserting a, a row, you could ask for the primary key back. Um, the reason it's weird is I don't do any inserts. <laughs> there's, no, there's no word returning in my entire project. Um, QB has some that it can add in there, but I'm not using any of that. I'm dumping out all the queries. It's it's um, it's still failing. I copy the SQL that has been generated. That fails. And this led me into my uh, diving into Lucy. And eventually the Postgres JDBC <laughs> driver source code. I became kind of obsessed on this. I thought about it way too much and I had to get answers. Um, so cold fusion, and this is all going to be Lucy specific, will ask for generated keys back from the JDBC driver for you. If you ask for a result object. So on the CF query tag result equals something or query execute in the options result equals some variable name. If you have that on Lucy will assume you want generated keys and we'll pass that flag through. So for my example, if I took off that result, everything worked fine. Um, issue is that result also has things like record count or execution time, things besides generated keys. So I didn't really want to get rid of it, especially since QB was the one asking for that data, not necessarily like my application. So I, I still had the question where this returning keyword was coming from. And so, you know, diving down more, getting into the JDBC layer now, Lucy passes off the call. It's it's asking this query to execute with the generated keys returned. And it turns out that Postgres has a slight parsing bug in their JDBC driver where it would see the delete or update keyword in the foreign key constraint. 
So that's where you do um, this column on delete cascade or on update restrict. It would see that word and it would mark the query as an update or a delete query, which does get generated keys back. And then it would try to add returning onto my statement and blow up, which is why I never saw the SQL because it was happening all the way over in the JDBC driver. So finally figured that out. There's a little pull request and I'll put that in for anybody who's curious to go look at it that helps their parser see that. Now they haven't merged it because, and I don't know if they will, because this is kind of caught in a weird spot because th their answer was, you're using the wrong method. <laughs> and this is one thing I learned. There's more than one way to execute a statement in the JDBC world. We are very blessed on the cold fusion side to just have to pass a query. Um, but in the JDBC world, this would more correctly be an execute update method rather than execute. Uh, Lucy, though, does not care. It, it kind of depends on the JDBC driver to know if it should return keys and know what it's going on, and it just calls execute. So I have a ticket open for Lucy as well, um, documenting this, and I'm we're kind of in this weird limbo where I don't know if the JDBC driver will pull it in or if they'll say that Lucy should change. I don't know if Lucy's going to want to change. <laughs> but uh, right now, if you are using Postgres and foreign key constraints and a result object, you will get errors. And that is my horror story that took probably two and a half days off and on to figure out. <laughs> <laughs> Right, right. The, the, yeah, the idea, the, the ideal fix for me would be Postgres merges in my change and everybody benefits, especially if they make a quote unquote mistake and call execute with generated keys with a create table. Um, but I, you know, we, uh, we've all done pull requests to a project where the person says, no, I don't want to support that. And then you're just like, ah. That's sad. <laughs> so if that's the case, I hope Lucy will give us some workarounds. I think my favorite there is even if they just gave us a way to mark a query as, hey, I really don't want generated keys, but I want the result object back. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, um, one thing in all this, Adobe, Adobe has its own issues because it uses very old drivers as well. Um, but even on the latest Adobe versions, 2018, 2021, it does not have this issue. So Adobe is doing something different than Lucy. Obviously, I can't go find out what that is because it's closed source. Um, but they are using the same major version driver, 42.2.14, um, but without this issue. So Adobe's doing something different. I wish I knew what it was. <laughs> They might be, um, which means that they're parsing the query or at least looking for certain keywords, which is something that I mentioned that Lucy could do. It, it's kind of a tricky situation because right now Lucy doesn't have to parse anything. And so getting in that business is to fit, to work around something else is kind of sad. Um, and nobody on the ColdFusion side wants to think, do I need to 
execute or execute update, right? That's there's a reason we use cold fusion, and that's so we don't think about that stuff. <laughs> so, well, that's when it would fail. Like if you didn't have foreign key constraints, it wouldn't mess up at all. So, but yeah, again, I hope Postgres merges it in, but that's a huge library. And uh, we will see, we will see. I'll keep everybody up to date. All right, somebody in the chat says you might be muted, Gavin. Charlie does, but I can, I'm not sure. I can hear you still. Sorry, yeah, sorry about that, everybody. <laughs> I thought I'd uh, unmute, I had to cough, and so I muted myself, but I thought I'd unmuted. I was just saying, yeah, I'm sure you'll keep everybody updated, so. Yep. Okay, so next up we have our VS Code Hints, Tips, and Tricks of the Week. And this one is going to be, it's kind of a weird one, I've never heard of before, but it's quaka.js. And it's made by wallaby.js, which is a testing framework. But So quaka.js is meant to be a developer productivity tool for rapid JavaScript TypeScript prototyping. And basically the runtime values are updated and shown in your IDE next to your code as you type. So I thought this was kind of interesting, like it'll actually evaluate um, looking for functions that don't exist or variables that don't exist, etc. So I'm not sure how, how deep it goes, um, but it's kind of like a little neat feature. So, you know, as you start mentioning functions or using things that don't exist, it'll say it's, you know, not a number, doesn't exist, undefined, etc. So basically as you as you go it'll try and keep up with it so i thought that was kind of neat um but yeah you can basically just you know add some little shortcuts and see the code uh results right in the ide so so yeah so i i like that uh especially when it talks about typescript prototyping have you tried anything with typescript gavin no i've refrained from that so far uh <laughs> I know there's some some yeah. definitely some big pluses with TypeScript, but I just I haven't gone down that route yet. But uh, yeah, well, I I think having the instant evaluation that you see here is definitely a plus for TypeScript, where you're trying to figure out what types you're supposed to be passing <laughs> in some cases. So that's oh, nice. Yeah. Oh. So Dan Card in the chat saying, for those who didn't know, a quokka is a rodent-esque animal from Australia. It was the Q in my son's alphabet cards, and I needed to Google it. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. I guess that fits with Wallaby JS, right? Yeah, I guess so. I so. should I should know more about it being a Kiwi, you know, living just across the pond, as they say. Um, but it's so different, right? Australia, New Zealand? Well, yep. That's what we say, but everybody else. Exactly. So for those who want to see, that's a quokka. Little marsupialish looking <laughs> thing. Yeah. Looks like a. Yeah, it's very different. Hmm. Interesting. There we go. We all learned something today. Thanks for that, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So last up, we have our awesome Patreon supporters that we need to thank. So these individuals are personally supporting our open source initiatives like Command Box, Forge Box, Cold Box, Content Box, Test Box, and of course this podcast, which they are funding almost 80% of the f podcast now. And so that means Audis can spend its other money on stuff like that and uh, our package management and Command Box 
um, tools, ForgeBox, and all the cloud tools that power that. So we really appreciate it. Uh, you can find out more at patreon.com slash autosolutions, and you can find a package that meets your, um, your size. But bronze packages and up now get the special perks you mentioned at the start of the show, Eric. So a Forgebox Pro and a CFCast subscription are perks for bronze packages and up. Um, but also... You also, <laughs> you also get a <laughs> special forum on the uh, Ordis community website and a little badge that shows that you are a Patreon supporter. Yep, and you get that no matter what level you are. So we definitely want to make you feel a little special. It makes us feel special to know that you guys are willing to support us. It does mean a lot to all of us. So thank you very much. And Eric, whose turn is it to read the names? I believe it is my turn. Go for it. Turn to read these names poorly with love. <laughs> <laughs> thank you to Dom Bellamy, Eric Hoffman, David Bellinger, Gary Knight, Giancarlo Gomez. Jonathan Perrette, Mario Rodriguez, Jeffrey McGee with Sunstar Media, John Wilson with Synaptrix, Yogesh Mathur, Joseph Lamery, Ben Nadal, Brett DeLine, Carl Von Stetten, Charlie Earhart, Dan Card, Daniel Garcia, Didier Lesnicki, Edgardo Cabezas, Jan Yannick, Jason Diger, Jeff McLean, Jeremy Adams, Jonas Erickson, Jordan Clark, Kai Koenig, Laxma Titrahadi, Leon Saramelis, Matthew Darby, Matthew Clemente, Mingo Hagen, Patrick Flynn, Ross Phillips, Scott Steinbeck, Stephanie Mungd, Stephen Klotz. Thank you for supporting us through Patreon and all of us at Order Solutions. Yep, and if you go to autosolutions.com slash about-us slash sponsors, you can see all those beautiful people and photos if they've provided them for us. So, um, again, thank you everybody for watching, listening, and uh, those supporting the show. We really do appreciate it. And you guys have a great week. And then next week, we have episode 100. 100! So I'm not sure exactly what we're going to do yet, but we'll try and uh, mix it up a little bit. I did hear a whisper about maybe some giveaways or some prizes or something. So uh, we survived 100 episodes. Can you believe it, Eric? I can. What I can't believe is people are still coming to our live chat for our episodes. We yeah. love you, and you are gluttons for punishment. Yep. No, we appreciate it. <laughs> Makes it fun, too, because they can fact check us. You know, It's, like, it's not like a Facebook it's fact true. check, too. They're actually useful. <laughs> <laughs> sorry I had to make a dig but anyways you guys have a good one and we'll catch you next week see ya show notes for this episode can be found at cfmlnews.modernizeordie.io where you can also subscribe to your favorite podcast player like Spotify or iTunes we also have the link to YouTube to find more videos just like this the music used in this podcast is under a royalty-free license from Sound.com and Blue Tree Audio.